0: The Sports Walk is back. Watch Season 3 of Backpack Broadcasting's original web series that brings you the opinions of real sports fans. The first two seasons and current season are available now for viewing on the Sports Walk YouTube channel and Facebook page. Check out the 2017 NYC Web Fest official selection and see what other sports fans have to say on the hottest issues in sports today. It's easy. Just take the Sports Walk. podcast episode 159 dexter henry brian fonseca still doing the thing yep. got a guest look i always love when i have people from my neighborhood in the building that i go back uh we said we we're gonna try to get some more people around music around hip-hop we just had static select on the last episode now we got another producer good friend of mine east flatbush native representing like myself hmm. producer ghost dave dave what's up man
2: Going
0: on, man. 50s and nows, you know, 5'5". Five, five. Yeah, he's 50s. I represent the 90s uh, so in terms, good. Of, it's in so terms so of those one blocks. Family, <laughs> <laughs> one family, <laughs> One family. And for people who don't know, Dave and I, we go back, I mean, years to know each other from 11 years old. Uh, we're both graduates of Philip Scholar Middle School, best middle school in Brooklyn. Brian's old, Brian's was. older brother also graduated there. He knows he knows what's up. That's true. Um, yeah. And uh, yo, Dave and I, we got a lot of things in common that we're going to get into into this episode. We both love hip-hop, as Brian does too. And we know we both are diehard, long-suffering Knicks fans <laughs> as well. Um, so we're going to we're gonna talk a little bit about that. We're going to have a little bit of the sports and hip-hop, and Dave has been producing this, some of his beats and stuff. Some of the people who've been following Backpack Broadcasting or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast, you've heard some of his beats on our commercials and different promo stuff, so you've definitely heard that. So um, Dave, we're going to get into that. Brian, how are you doing? We need to let the people know that you're doing okay, because you had a little bout with food poisoning oh, this yeah. past week. And Dave, I don't know if you had food poisoning before, but- of course. Yo, oh, you've had it before? Of no, course. no joke. It
1: is not it's, a game. It's Word. pro. It's probably the worst. It's one of the worst shits you can get. I mean, I can't. I can't. Literally. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't. So for me, that part of it wasn't. Everything was out the front. Ah. Like, was out. The
0: Lucky front, you. Was, yeah.
1: Wasn't my experience. Look, I would have called that luck. I felt like at one point <laughs> I looked up. I was like, damn. So because look, there is no more vulnerable position that I've probably ever felt (laughs) than you trying to keep everything down, and you know that you can't, so you're just waiting by the toilet. You know what I mean? You're just just sitting or whatever. You're just waiting here. I
0: don't know why I'm laughing. It's really not funny.
1: This is about an awful waiting game, though. It's kind of funny in hindsight, but as you're going through it, it's the worst thing ever. Uh, Luckily, though, at 48 hours, I was good. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I was working on my stuff, I was working on other stuff, you know what I'm saying? But but that those first 24 hours all I wanted to do was sleep. I was in and out of naps. Oh. I wasn't even sleeping properly. I, I it's crazy because I slept from 11 to 3, got up and hurled again, right? Uh then went back to sleep from mm. like 4 to 6.
0: Damn.
1: Got up And then just chilled for a little bit. And then I just took a couple naps. At one point, I fell asleep at like 4 p.m. and didn't wake up till 8.30. It was crazy.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you you have, you have, like, no, <laughs> yeah, you good, are you good now, you good now, right, well, you're on this pod, you better be good, because we're not trying to no, see you throw up on this,
1: no, I've been good, I've been good since, like, Wednesday night, Wednesday night is when I was, re- and this was two days after, because it all happened, like, Monday night into Tuesday, and Tuesday was the day I was really, like, messed up, because it was right after, Yeah. but Wednesday, Wednesday night, I started feeling good, I was, I was straight, I haven't, like, worked out much this week, which, you know, just to, just to, like, Chance or whatever, but right after this pod, you know, I'm doing what I gotta do. I'm, get, getting, I'm getting back,
0: get back on that healthy lifestyle. Uh, no, glad you, glad you were good, bro. Um, and everything is good, Dave. Dave, you've been good. You not, uh, you didn't get the food poisoning, uh, bug this recently. This week, not, not
2: lately, man. But I, I've had it before, and it's the worst feeling. Like I remember one time I had it, and I had like a job interview like the next day. Oh, oh, yo, know, I don't know how I made it, but that was the longest night of my life. Hey, you made I'm it to so the, like, job. Made it like, the job? You made it to the job interview? Yeah. <laughs> that
0: night. Wait, you made it to the job interview, bro? I made
2: it. I made it to the... And the thing is, I didn't even get the job. That's what had me tight.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd be, I be, I be, I be like, yo, I went. I was sick. I had no energy.
2: I told them, too. I actually called them and said, can I postpone it? Because I'm horrible right now. I'm throwing up. My stomach is bugging. Can I can I come back? Like, a, Can we push it back a couple of days? And I remember the lady was like, no, because it's right around Christmas. Everybody's going on holiday break. So I was like, all right. You know
0: she's what? supposed. She's supposed to be in the giving spirit. the She's supposed nah. to give you another day. And she was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Come, nah, come, come on.
1: Want, she also should not want to, like, also get sick. You know yeah. what I mean? That's like, true, like, true. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. You would <laughs> deal, so yeah, you would think. But, okay. Whatever. All right. Enough of the sick talk. We're going get, to get, get into some good stuff. Uh, Dave, I know, and I was talking to you about this before we started recording, but I know that you and I, and this could include Brian, Brian's younger than us, but we have very similar sounds in, in, in hip-hop. Talk, talk to you. Talk to the people about how you got into producing. What kind of inspired you to, you know, do the production thing?
2: Um, all the way back from my parents, because my pops is my parents' record collection is crazy. So I was growing up listening to every soul record you could think of, all the break beats from the James Browns, you know, the Parliament funk. All they were playing all of that. So and then growing up on my block, and that hip hop was everything. Dex, you've been on my block
0: before. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
2: We, all, all we talk about on our block, especially them junior high school days, was Wu-Tang, Nas, Redman, Big. So growing up in that element, I always just had a feel like the, like the beats caught my attention. So I, was, I guess sometime, uh, like my late college days, I was like, Yo, I want to take a shot at it. And I just you will hear records throughout the day, you know, just random old records like I really think I could flip something and make that into a beat. So my early beats were horrible. But as you go on and on, you start picking up I'm like, All right, I think I figured this out. And then I luckily I knew the right people that rhymed around me and some dudes made beats. And I learned and sat back and, and just picked my points, my parts, I mean.
0: Yeah, you, you've been, you've been going out this for quite some time because I'm really trying to think about it too. It's pretty much as long as I've been doing stuff independently with Backfax. So we're kind of on that same trajectory, probably like about yes, 10 years, about 10 years, um, that, that we've been doing this. Now, who were some of the influences for you early on, um, in terms of production? Well, we're growing up in the, in the early nineties and, and hearing certain stuff around you in terms of producers. Who, who were some of those influences for you?
2: Oh, um, DJ Premier, top of the list.
0: Definitely. Gotta be. Right?
2: maybe <laughs> tied with him, probably tied with him is Rizza. Um okay. yeah, so yeah, Primo Rizza, Pete Rock, of course. Um, Beat Miners. I was I'm a huge duck down um, fan. Smith West and West OGC, OG yep. Skelter, wow. like huge. So the duck that duck down sound I was big into. Um and then yeah, Doctor Dre, because I, I was definitely Chronic was hitting, so and that was like early on, and then as I guess I got older, Just Blaze and Alchemist took kind of took the 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 range from there, and I was hooked. And, and I'm bugging too, Jay Dilla, because that whole um, De La Soul sound and Stakes Is High album and the work he's putting in on that
0: was ridiculous. Yeah,
1: nah, definitely yeah. no doubt. I'm glad that the pocket for that sound grew too, because I remember a time where, so when I was a teenager, this is when a lot of the shit that was popping was like Lil Wayne and that sort of sound and everybody trying to start that melodic wave or whatever. And I remember searching for a lot of the underground hip hop that sounded like the sound that we're talking about, like people of, of, you know, the DJ Premier Childs and things like that, like the children of that sound. And I remember it being a struggle to find that even then. Now, with, I mean, I guess Griselda's kind of the face of this wave right now, right? Of course. And I think that that is sort of expanded to, you know, and you work with Flea Lord on mm-hmm. his last project, we're gonna, which we're going to touch on in a little bit. Or we could even touch on now. But I think that that has sort of opened a door for a lot of people, I guess, like yourself, to sort of just come through and and make that sound what it is now you know yeah
2: definitely you gotta buy your time is like um dex was saying earlier like i didn't it's easy to kind of just sway and jump jump on the um current wave and say okay i'm gonna try trap or i'm gonna do drill or whatever sound is yours and it's not a knock to that but that wasn't me i know what i liked i know the hip-hop that i fell in love with i'm not gonna try to do trap because i know that's not gonna be authentic to who i am so i just kept I knew eventually, because the sound went away, but it never, I would, I would never say it fully died. Because even if you look yeah, yeah, throughout yeah, yeah, the yeah. years, Kendrick had stuff with bo- like a boom bap sound from time to time. Cole would do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Wayne had his moments, every, you know, not like obviously not most of the album, but Hove. You could go through the years and people still had it. It's just a matter of time where it was like it was going to break back open. And when Griselda kind of kicked the door down, I'm like, this is it. I'm about to eat.
0: yeah i'm I'm glad you i'm glad you brought that up dave because i always felt for a while it was like does the new york sound if we want to call it that does that still really exist that that boom bap sound that that we all love love here and what i mean you kind of hit on this but how much did it inspire you to see griselda griselda kind of was the first collective that just leaned all the way into it Mm -hmm. they're like this is what we're doing right these are these grimy beats And we've we've talked with some people. We talked with Sky Zoo when he's been on our pod a couple times about this. We talked with him about it right before he did Retropolitan with Pete Rock and the importance of that sound. And he was kind of talking about the same thing and keeping that alive and whatever. When you see a collective like that lean into it so hard and you see there's still a, I would say, a hunger for it, right? Like there's fans like us that still want to see that. Does that inspire you? And do you think the sound is being pushed, right? Because it's not just about recreating the 90s. It's sort of about pushing it forward. Oh, you, no, yeah. Yeah. It's
2: um, Not to cut you, Yeah, it's being pushed, for sure. Because it, it sounds, it's, the, if you, on a technical aspect, the drums are the same, but the the way the, the songs are sampled, or the way the, the melodies are put together, it has a 90s feel, but it's not exactly a 90s feel. Like, when you listen to Griselda records, they don't, they have the, if you took the drums away, it don't really sound like something that came out in 94. You know, like especially like if you listen to the Roots or even Illmatic, it's a different kind of sample. It's chopped totally different. But what brings what marriage um, brings it together is essentially those kicks and snares. When you hit those drums and it's just that hard boom, that one two, then you hear that that sound. And everybody's like, oh, that's the that '90s sound. But really, it's been they pushed it forward. It's definitely not the same um, sound from back then. We're no, trying to just no. push it now. Yeah, no, nah, yeah. I, I definitely agree with that.
1: And to some degree, I also would probably not leave out pro era in the sense that. Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah, because Joey Badass was somebody who I first heard about, I want to say 2011. Yeah, 2011, Yeah. Something like that. And I was, you know, we're around the same age. I was still in high school at that point. So hearing somebody around my age at that time coming with that boom bap sound, that was nuts. Because this is like, I, I, I'm i trying to imagine like what was Shaheem in the 1990s, yes. but at the same time, it's like Shaheem was doing that at a time where that was the sound. Joey mm-hmm. Badass doing that at a time where that's not the sound at all. And then all of a sudden, it's like everybody else from Pro Era, Nick Caution, and CJ Fly, et cetera, after. So I also credit them with that as well. I guess it's a little bit different from Griselda, but kind of similar. Oh, and no. I think the Flatbush Zombies probably had- you know Flatbush some, Zombies, some, some under, under, place, under, Flatbush Underachievers- <laughs> Pro yeah.
2: Era for, is a for um definitely you gotta give them their credit. Matter of fact, even before I got on the Griselda wave, which is probably twenty fifteen, sixteen range, you're right, that pro era, when I first heard that Joey nineteen ninety nine, yeah, that yeah. brought me out like, Wait, who's this kid? And I found out he's from Brooklyn too.
0: Yeah. yeah so it was yeah. already
2: like, all right, nah, this is a win. This is when everybody was doing everything slowed down and was trappy, and he's out there rhyming on the old boom bap drums and i'm seeing him on the j train doing the video for waves i'm like nah this is <laughs> this is it right here yeah yeah
0: he, yeah that that's i'm glad you brought that up b because that he I, I remember i i remember the first time i listened to 1999 i can remember i was in my old apartment and i heard waves and i was like what is this like it's <laughs> one of
1: your favorite songs ever right? It, it really
0: right? is it's up there probably like in the last like 10 years or so like it really is because i just was like this is fantastic, you know. Shout out to Freddie Jo, jo who uh, produced that, and yo, just like love the sound of it and everything. And so, yeah, the, the New York sound isn't dead. I'm glad to hear, and we obviously, Dave, we're glad for producers like you, sort of pushing that pushing that sound forward. Obviously, we Static, who we had on the last podcast, a ton of uh, a ton of influence, couple of couple of production on that project, 1999. Now, you, we had Static on the last podcast. We talked to him about we talked to him about some stuff. You recently had the chance to meet him. Uh yes. tell us about that.
2: Um, they got a studio out in um Bushwick, and I had a session with my brother, my older brother, he rhymes. So we um booked the session, literally the room next door, which is Terminology Studio. Uh and um you know, the engineer is Statics um protege, um, do a producer named Neff. Neff, yep. So we get there and my brother's in the booth, he's recording, and I guess somebody, not, I'm just sitting there chilling, waiting, you know, listening to the verse as he's knocking, laying it down. And somebody knocked on the door, so Neff opens, and it's static. And So at first, I look up. I was like, I, I thought it was just maybe somebody, you know, janitor to work there or something. And I look up, I'm like, oh, shoot. You know, so it was kind of like bugged out, but I try to play it cool. Like, oh, it was
1: static. You know what I'm saying? Like,
2: so I just, we didn't say anything at that point. Like, he just said something real quick, like, yo, I'm here. You know, Um, he said something to Neff, I can't remember. And then he went to his room and did his thing. And then uh, terminology came in maybe about a half hour later. And he, I actually met him first. Like, we actually, like, he dapped me up. He was talking to me, him and my brother. He was like, I like the song that y'all recorded. And then um, Static came out, back out on the way out as he was leaving. He, he stopped by again, and he showed us love. He was like, yeah, what's up? Um, we took a picture. Just a quick, It was a l- little, like, light introduction. Nothing serious. It was more in, in passing, dapped us, and it kept it moving. But the funny thing, I saw him um, on Friday. Oh. Again, because oh. another dude of mine that's recording on one of my tr- um, tracks, my man Sham, he was recording a session at that same studio, and Static was in there again. Same kind of situation where he's recording. You can hear music in the next room. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, But he came in for a second, and he, uh, he dapped us up, said, what up? That's
0: what's and up. Just kept yeah. moving. Static, Static's cool, uh, really good. I, I told you the story, about it. I met him. I'll tell the story in the podcast. Brian knows the story, and I told, I told you this before, Dave. <laughs> But the first time, I didn't say it on the last podcast, but I told Static it. I met Static, I think it was in 2013. I was going to South by Southwest. And this is a crazy story because I am get I get on this plane and uh, I'm sitting in the seat, close to the w- a window seat, and Havoc comes in and sits down next to me, which is just like, yo, what's going on? So Havoc being cool, Havoc kind of said, you know, asked me what's up, how's my morning? We start talking. I told him like, yo, man, love your production, love The Infamous, uh, one of my favorite albums and everything. And so we're sitting there for a little bit and planes getting ready to take off. and I see Static come on the plane, and he's walking through the aisle, and he looks over at Havoc, and he sees Havoc gives Havoc a pound, and I guess he assumed I was with Havoc, so he <laughs> gave me a pound, and I was just like, yeah, all right, well, like you know, I was like, what's up, Static? I'll those. Yeah, I'll take, the, I'll take those. So that was my story of me, and Static. Not, a, not, not as interesting as Dave, but yeah, that was my story nah, of, of me, and Static.
1: <laughs> No, but it's just funny just to assume, like, your Havoc's, like, you're, you know, maybe his cousin, his bodyguard or some shit. Yeah. You know, Havoc's a short dude. He's, like, my height, probably. You're 6'2". You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, it's not a, it's not a bad assumption is what I'm kind of No, it isn't. He's like, oh,
0: there's another black dude next to him that's a little taller. Yeah, I can see that. I can like, I yeah, see right that. <laughs>
1: Actually,
2: so, my, I got to meet Havoc um, a few weeks, about, I must say a month ago. Oh, work. And I had the same reactions that you had
0: yeah it's it's look man it's as fans of hip-hop like we all are it is crazy if you get to meet some of the people you look at as legends or you like their work in in, in person um you know it's 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 insane or you get to connect with them like we had static on the podcast no matter what it's it's yeah. always it's always dope to have those opportunities you know what i mean so dave let just to talk a little about music and the climate right now beside what you're making what what do you think about where hip hop is now? You'll still get a lot of people that's like, "Man, hip hop is dead. All oh, this nah, ly- lyricism is dead. Real beats nah. are dead." You get and and look let's let's keep it a, let's keep it a buck. There's people from our generation that'll say that. I do not subscribe to that. I do not agree with any of that. Not even close. What what not do you what close. do you say?
2: Um, is far from dead. It hasn't been. It never was dead. It's just all preference. Like, yeah, we don't like. I I, I can't. I wanna assume that maybe y'all not trap is not your favorite kind of hip hop. Not my That favorite doesn't kind. mean it's dead. The hip hop is dead. Um, this year, this climate is dope. Like, how many dope albums we had this year? Flea oh, stuff, oh. uh, Freddie Gibbs, um, Alfredo,
0: Alfred-
2: all the Griselda albums. Uh the I mean the underground scene was not, I don't even want to just say underground. Unless I was bumping Nas joint. Um, I'm trying to remember it's it was a lot of names that Came across this year. I was like, oh, he dropped a project? I'm on it. This guy dropped a project? You know what I'm saying? So little projects here. Within the last few years, like Sky Zoo, I'm a huge Sky Zoo fan.
0: Yeah, I know that. Yep. I'm
2: trying to get a beat to this guy. I've been trying to get a beat to Sky Zoo for a minute. Sky's been killing it for the last, I don't know, easily five to six years. Seven, maybe even more than that. But we we hip-hop hasn't been that.
0: We're going to have to try to... I don't know yeah, we're gonna right. try to connect you. We're gonna have to try to make that happen. Please. We can we can. Please, We Please. can. Cause like, yo, and and people should notice, and I think we've said this on the podcast before, but shout out to Sky because he's been on the pod three times. And I'm sure we'll have it on again when he drops all the brilliant things. Um, but yeah, whenever we reach out to him, he's, Please. Yo, he's come be- through. I'm gonna see y'all. We're, that, we're, we'll try to make that happen, man. We'll try that we'll was, definitely try that to make. Sucked. Make that, that would happen. sound
2: great. That would sound great. I would, well, I, would so really, I would greatly appreciate that. I've seen. I remember seeing, dude. Uh, me and my fiance, we went to. Uh, he was dropping. Is it uh, in celebration of us? I yeah, remember. you
0: went to the. You went to the Blue Note show. Blue Note, so yes. Was, what was crazy about that was he invited Brian and I to go. I ended up not being able to go because I had to travel for work, so I couldn't. I couldn't make it to the show. But I remember, and then I remember I saw when you posted the video and I was like, ah, damn, son, like I, was, I was supposed to go to that show. But, uh, Yo, yeah.
2: That, sh- that show was awesome. That show was crazy. We was out there. And it was just, I just love to set up a blue note where it's just like intimate. You know, you could just really like vibe out with the artists and the band. And he performed the whole album from top to bottom and killed it. Yeah, I love and stuff was like just- that like just the whole vibe i mean the clarity the, the clarity of his voice just the, you know a lot of artists don't sound the way the same day way they do on um in person as they do when you listen to them on the, yeah. and speakers yeah, and yes. he was he just he killed it and every time i seen him i seen him at the book uh, brooklyn hip hop festival a few times always destroys it like so I, if you could i appreciate that <laughs>
0: Some are always looking for more sports content, and among the glut of sports media, some are looking for sports content that dives a bit deeper and doesn't just stick to sports. So check out Backpack Broadcasting's original long-form sports journalism series, Sideline Stories. The award-winning original series takes viewers directly into underrepresented communities within the world of sports. It's a series that goes beyond traditional sports reporting, like box scores and statistics, presenting exclusive stories that you won't find anywhere else. With a diverse group of correspondents, the series provides interviews and interesting stories around the world of sports, because there is so much beyond the game and so much that occurs off the field or court that impacts each of us and the world we live in. Giving a voice to athletes, coaches, fans, and everyone involved in athletics, Sideline Stories looks to push sports storytelling further than ever before. It's a winner of the 2020 Independent Shorts Awards, and all episodes of Sideline Stories are available for viewing today on Backpack Broadcasting's YouTube channel and Facebook page. Yeah. Ryan's going to be interested in this next thing, that I'm going to bring up because so in our next couple of episodes, Dave, we are going to be doing, and we've done this the last couple of years, our Hip Hop Awards mm-hmm. of the Year. So we're going to ask all you right. for a preview from you. What do you have? What is your album mm-hmm. of the year? What's your? We're not going to say ours because we're going to hold it, but we. But what's your album of the year this year? I'm
2: biased though because I'm part of an album that I, I love, so I'm I'm part of I'm biased to Flea's no hum no more humble fashion. Taking my bias out of it prior to that, I'm going to put it like this, prior to that album dropping for me it was Alfredo. Mm, okay. Was, Alfredo. Um a very it was hard because this year had some this year had some doozies. Like um I was huge on Nas' album. I was a big mm-hmm. fan of West Side's Pray for Paris. Yeah. So uh, between Pray for Paris, No More Humble Fashion, Alfredo, and um, Conway's album, too, was tough. God, see, see? Conway's album. See? Benny's album.
1: <laughs> Benny's it album. It gets really difficult. It gets really yeah. difficult. And then there are a couple decks I've been telling you about Problem's two albums. So Problem, for people who don't know listening to the podcast, is a West Coast artist. Uh, he dropped Coffee and Kush volume one. Coffee Cush volume two. Freddie Gibbs is actually mm-hmm. on volume two. Uh, and I heard that those, track. Both of those albums, I'm not going to say whether or not they rank in, I think we're doing top ten this year. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to go that. I'm not going to go as far as to say whether or not, because I don't want to spoil it. I will say that both of those albums were two of the better albums I heard this year. Okay. Is it any Problems? His name is just Problems. Period. He's a West Coast no artist, a known West Coast artist. He worked with like Nipsey Hussle, like oh, okay. that scene over there and stuff like that. Like he's not a nobody necessarily. He's just a little more underground. But
2: right.
1: he's he's a dude that, like it surprised me because I went to hear the album not thinking it was going to be like, I, I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. And that's no to problem. That's the best feeling. But I was just like, whoa, like but th- I've had, but that's to say I've had albums like that this year, probably more than recent years. C.J. Yeah. Fly's album kind of snuck up on me, yes, and Static Selector produced the whole thing. And when I heard it, there are a lot of songs that I liked on it, and a lot of songs that I ended up keeping. A lot of people would say Ronda Jules' album is probably like in the top. That's another number. one, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm probably. I think people probably love him a little more than I do. You know what I mean? Just because It's not I, in my top five, but it was a good project. I'd, yeah, I'd, that's, I'd that's, agree with that. That's more to say that for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe it's LP, but, like, white people love Run The Jewels, so <laughs> they get critical acclaim. <laughs> like, they get a lot of critical acclaim. But they're, they're dope. But, like, this, that's just more to say that, yeah, there's been a lot of great albums that came out this year. Some people would also put Jay Electronica's uh, Jay-Z mixtape <laughs> up there. But, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> here's, here's my thing with that album. It's funny because I thought the album was great, but what I was anticipating, the work that I, I know just used to, just Blaze used to kind of leak here and there throughout the years. Mm-hmm. I was expecting more. Not saying that the album wasn't great because the joint Alchemist did alone um, was ridiculous. I'm trying to remember the name of the song. I think it's Never Ending Story. Never Ending
0: Story. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: that yeah. song is yeah. just beautiful.
0: Yeah, I love the keys. Um, I love the keys in that. Yeah.
2: I wanted to hear Jay Electronica by himself. I yes, wanted my, one or two Jay features. You told me a Jay verse. Yeah, more Jay verse, more Jay verse. It's better, always great, right. Better, but <laughs> when you we waited, what, 12 years or whatever it was for this album, you want to yeah. hear Jay Electronica <laughs> by himself.
1: That yeah. was my issue. Like, Especially from the very beginning where Jay-Z had the first verse on the album. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. And then you come to realize, like he's pretty much on every song except for like maybe one or two, and it's like it should have been just pushed as a collab album or something like broke. that. Then I would have probably received it a little bit differently. Mm. But and then you know, Act Two I think leaked after, and they, or they put they, it leaked, and then they put it on title. I don't know which people like that better, but I don't know how do you count that this year. But yeah,
0: yeah, it's 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 going it's going it's going to be real interesting. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, your work with Flea Lord because. Uh, you, you, no, hum normal more humble, no more humble fashion. Sorry. Didn't want to mess up that name. Um, mm-hmm. you had three joints on there. I listened four. to four. Sure. Sorry. My bad. Didn't want, yeah, let, no, no. Let's <laughs> not short you. <laughs> or mess a, let's not short you on that. <laughs> um, you have four joints a, on that's there. That's a
1: third of the project right there. That's, yeah. It's
0: a third of the project. Um, yo, how did that come about? How did y'all link up? How did you get your beats to him? And you got tracks where Westside's on one Conway's on another. Um, two heavy hitters right there. How did all this come about?
2: Uh, it started last um, November. I was just, you know, I do what I always do, reach out to artists on Instagram and Twitter. You know, you, you can I send you beats or whatever? And just so happens his engineer hit me back and said, yo, um, here's our GED and me, his um, email. So I was like, all right, I'm going to send him a like pack, not, some, you know, send him like three joints to see if I get lucky. And those first two joints, I, they chose two of the first three joints I sent. Huh, and that huh. ended up being the Skinny Pete track, and the other one was the uh, the Doors' "Locked With Conway." Yeah. yeah. So right out the gate, it was like, okay, we're on to something here.
0: Did you and know? Did you? I'm going to cut you off, but did you know at that point Conway was going to be on the track? Or he's just like, we, we're going to no, use this beat. No. You did not I, I knew
2: early on. I knew way earlier than, than when the album came out. I knew. I knew that both of them was going to be on um, on it on the tracks probably. I want to say like February or March. I knew, um, and I was super hyped. The hard that was being patient though was the hardest thing because you get <laughs> yeah. this nine like, yo, I got Westside and Conway on my beats, and I'm saying, hey, I found out maybe what eight nine months ago. <laughs> so you gotta just gotta wait it out and and grind. And I'm just like, I can't keep, t- I can't tell everybody that though. It's supposed to be a secret. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, so you know, luckily I got I got um a good support system at home. So my lady, we would just listen and you know she, she would keep me like ah just be patient, we got this. Man. Don't worry, the time is coming. So it yeah, was, um, a good
0: vibe. Yeah, because when I saw you when I saw you uh put on IG that you know you had you had the track listing and I saw your name producing, I saw the cra- I was like oh okay, yeah. and and you know and this is true. I immediately I must I DM Dave and I was like. Hey man, when that drops, we gotta get you. We gotta get you on the pot. Yeah. We I've been wanting to for a while, but I was like, yo, I think it's time for us for us to do it. Um, I appreciate it. how does it feel now that you've done? Because you talked about the patience of it, but now that's happened, you've had a, you've had tracks, you've worked, you've worked with these people, part of the Griselda Collective. Are you excited about what's next and where that can take you in your production career?
2: Oh, definitely. That's that's everything. Like um, when you when this whole year has been a blessing. Obviously, COVID aside career-wise for me it's been a blessing because i've had you know Griselda, the fleas looked out for me i can't you know i'm super grateful for that got me part now i'm part of lord mom collective producer team you know so mm-hmm. i'm one of the in-house producers so next year we got a lot of work coming like mm-hmm. you i don't know if you notice if you keep up with like how i post beats on instagram i, do. I haven't i slowed down but that doesn't mean i slowed down making the beats it's just that the beat to go into the artists now they got so, homes wow. now yeah. yeah they got homes now <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's not like usually my whole point was to put them up there was just showcase what i could do and also if i could just get somebody to hit me up and try to you know hop on a beat but i got a lot of work coming next year so mm. lord mob stuff uh compilation then there's like albums following that part of the team then i got stuff with other artists outside of lord mob so it's I'm super excited right now.
1: And that's important, too, because we were just talking about, like, collectives and groups and all that stuff. Like, it's important because it inserts you into that space, right? So, it's like if you're working with Flea Lord, you could work with, you know, all these other people who were on West Side Gun's last album, perhaps. Mm -hmm. And it just builds and builds from there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a – it's – I'm
2: having fun right now. Let's put it like that. Like, just between the DMs I'm getting, the email, the text, the phone calls – you know, this year I got to meet Conway. I got to, in person, you know, I got to, I, n- I never met Westside in person, but I got to speak to him on the phone. Damn. So these are like openings that I never had. Like Flea with FaceTime me. Finally, you know, COVID slowed things down, but finally I got to meet Flea and we we chopped it up. And every time we, we hung out, good vibes, shows love, you know, salute to the whole team. And it's just, it was, it's a beautiful thing. So I'm super excited. I'm having a lot of fun right now. And what, Just wait till well,
0: next year. I promise you. Yeah, I, I believe it. And what's crazy with you slowing down is like now, I'm like damn, that's that's how I get to hear Dave's beats. He puts something <laughs> up on the IG, and I would be like, hey, "Yo, man, I I need that." Like, <laughs> you get that. Now I'm gonna have to like hit Dave. And be like, "Yo, could you let me listen to some stuff that you might not have released <laughs> got, on the I'm, C- I'm right. slide me some secret? Yeah, I, pro- I got
2: you.
0: You got to still slide me some stuff because we're always still using stuff. But yeah, I, we things things are changing for you for the good." So and sure. we're not we're not, we're not mad about that. Can you talk to people a little bit about what your process is like, Dave? Because every producer is different. Like some people start with the you know the breakbeat. Some people will start with a sample. Like w- what are you looking for when you're digging in the crates or you're trying to produce? What what what's your process? If you want to, if you can share uh, oh, sure. about that.
2: Um, I start. I usually start with the sample, but I'm not all solely just the sample. Like sometimes if I just. I, I, I could just, you know, just the mood I'm in, I'll start with the drums and if that if there's knocking, then I'll just see if I can find something. But my goal is to find if I'm digging for a sample, it has to be something obscure. I, I don't like trying to find the the James Brown, the Michael Jackson. Yeah. Like it gotta be something the most random, maybe fifty people heard, it, you know, something yeah. from Japan or but like the the song that um they did what Flea did with Conway?
0: Yeah. yeah. The
2: most obscure record on the planet. <laughs> like, yo, I don't even know how I found it, but it was just, it's luck. So I start with that and then um, I just start playing for, like, like, going through the song. I like to, like, a lot of producers just do automatic chops where mm-hmm. they let the program mm-hmm. chop itself um, periodically, like every five seconds or so. I like to, like, literally go through the song itself and pick what I like. And then I like once I, I I cut what I like, then I start playing with you know and play surgeon now and start stitching up. Okay, I might like this. Let me put this here. Let me take that out. Slow this down. Speed it up. Whatever the case may be, and it just gotta have a flavor to it. It can't just I've thrown away probably more beats just because it didn't have that flavor to it. So I'm like, all right, let me delete that and just mm-hmm. start to. Start. So it gotta have a feel. If it don't sound like what uh, if it don't remind me of the era of hip hop I love. Mm-hmm. They don't give me that goosebumps. I'm not trying to keep it.
0: I like that. That's a good stand. That's a good standard. Yeah. Good standard to have, for sure.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. I was going to ask so like as far as this era now, is it tougher to get samples because you know people are trying to you know try to make it Almost restrictive to get certain samples and things of that nature. And I know you said you're looking for things that are more obscure. But now we're in an era where it's like I think we talked to Static Selective about this a little bit, where it's just so, sometimes it's harder to just, just sample things now. Yeah, just it's because, it's a just challenge. because of monetization and streaming and all that.
2: It's it's a challenge in some regards, but um, I still find a, the nice record spots. I still got a couple of record spots I go to. I still know where to go online. Uh it's it is a challenge in some regard but it's some it's just that's part of the fun mm. to the digging like i i take that as fun and then when you find something like oh you know just that you feel like that kid in the candy store like i can't wait till i get home to, to mess with this so if i'm out somewhere and i just like i might just be scrolling the internet sometime and just look for something and if or sometimes i may go to a record store and just like oh you know i don't know what this sound like but i got a good feeling about this one let me just and we'll take it from there and hope for the best. See if I find a gym on there.
0: Yeah, definitely no doubt. Uh, we gotta ask you this because we asked this the static. Um, obviously I'm sure there's a lot, but if you had a one artist or a couple artists that you could work with, that you dine to work with that hasn't happened, <laughs> who who would who would that be? I'm aiming for the sky right
2: here, but I'm gonna keep it a buck with you, Nas. There you go. And this yeah. is why, this is for yeah. me, he's my personal goat. Hey, He has been since I've hey. since we met in junior
0: high.
2: Yep, he's uh so Me too, so.
0: <laughs> if I could get
2: Nas, you know, what I'm saying I'm I'm going for Nas at the top of the list. Cove is right behind. Um, Sky Zoo is somebody like what we talked about earlier. Yeah, um, definitely Cole. I, I I wish I feel like if I get a chance with Cole, like I'm, I'm a, I got some beats in stat on stack. Matter of fact, Dex, you know about one of the beats because you, you do time. The um the one with the Sister Soldier sample.
0: I oh, know, you told me about
2: that. And you don't know how nobody used that yet.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, it's funny. I know exactly what you're talking about because when I hit it, I was like, ooh, when I heard it, I was like, <laughs> I was like, this is, I didn't know what I wanted to use it for yet. But I remember I reached out to you. Yo, I could hear him on that. I could hear it. Yo, Man, hold, hold that. that. You should hold that one. Even though yeah, I, I hold, love I'm it. I'm holding that. I sent,
2: <laughs> I, the only person I've actually sent that beat out to that I can remember, I tried to get that to Rhapsody. I could like, get her looked, on that I, too. I looked up for, I looked around because I think she's perfect for that as well. And I was like, I found like I think one of her, um, the Jamla managers or something. Yeah. And I actually, yeah. I put a whole package together. I put a, uh, uh, introduction like I, this would sound great on, it. she will sound great on this. Yeah, you know the whole shebang, and I sent it out. I never got anything back, but if I could get, if I could get Rhapsody on it, Cole Nas is top of my list. Um, Benny, Tater uh, Kiss, and Styles. Yeah that's that's a personal Jada SP yeah okay I gotta okay. get Jada and Styles uh Con um I, cause I got Conway and and um Westside so if I gotta get Benny absolutely I, yeah. that one I can on hear Benny.
1: yeah it just makes a lot of sense
2: I appreciate it. I, I'm really working on like I'm trying to see if I could work my way to getting a Benny um feature on one of my beats but uh I'm
0: pretty sure there's a lot of other artists but oh and Kendrick for sure What's up, listeners and supporters of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast? We need some help from you, and it won't take up too much of your time. As we grow, we always want to hear your feedback, so take a minute or two to fill out a short anonymous survey. The survey link is right in the episode notes for this podcast. It's easy and takes less than five minutes. As always, we thank you for your continued support.
1: Just a couple minutes on the next because the season's starting. Uh, you know, they have the Kith Collab now with the weird uniform <laughs> of the, the New York Yeah, or whatever. I I, I I I don't like that. I I haven't talked to Dexter about these uniforms at all. But I'm going to assume because of how well he's already shaking his head. Don't like I'm it. I'm going to assume because don't like I don't know nah. you. I know I can tell. I know you don't like. See, here's the thing about those uniforms. I think, other than the the the, the thing in the middle or whatever, I think they actually look fine. Like all I the don't, stuff. I don't me. dislike them though. I I like that they went with the he went with a black look with the orange. I'm not sure, wild about the tie dye. That, that see thing on the side. See that's what killed That's kind of what kills that's it not, for me. That's not even. That's not even what I wanted to bring up. Although I have been saying that the Knicks should have black uniforms for years. But I was thinking black with orange lettering. Whatever. Yes. That's another point exactly. For another thing. Um. Just team in general. I mean, we were we were talked about this yesterday a little bit, Dex. But just just your thoughts on the team in general. What do you want out of this season? Uh, to prove, you know, that they're actually going in the right direction.
2: Um, well, the first game gave me a lot of hope, and and I hate to say as a Knicks fan because we get we jump the gun way too often after one win. So <laughs> I guess the Pistons, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you. maybe the were same Steve in the, was, the NBA right now. If I see the same thing tonight when they, you know, second game against the Pistons, I may, you know, get I might get a little more hype. You might see me on on Instagram showing out, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let me say, I'll say this. I like Toppin. Toppin looks legit. And, you know, like the defense will come. We always talk about defense with stars. Look, Harden don't play D. How many offensive players really, like, really play D? You know, a lot of most offensive juggernauts don't play
1: D. Dame Lillard doesn't.
2: Dame Lillard, you know what I'm saying? We could go we could go down the list. Um, Toppin looks good. I'm not worried about RJ as much, as much people are, like with the missing the jump shots. His game's not, he's never going to be a three-point shooter. He's, he's going to be a little, a lot more like Wade in a sense where, yo, mid-range and get to the bucket. Give me Hit the free throws, get to the bucket, hit, give me a 15-foot jump shot. I'm fine with that. So what he showed me in the second half, when he went, I think he went six for eight after starting 0 for six. Yep. RJ's going to be fine. He's, especially if he hits, if he gets to 70% free throws, he's going to be um, That's probably
1: 18 about. a
0: game. Easily that's eight, the, that's eight, eight, the key. That's the key, Dave. He's got to hit the free throws, that's the, man. That's the key, the key. You,
1: you mentioned the two keys I think for him this season should be. It's just improving his free throw percentage considerably, like getting around to that 70 percentile because he gets there a lot and he's going to continue to get there a lot. And he needs to hit a like, good amount of those free throws. And I think you want to see him averaging right there, 18, 20 points a game, like right in that could, range.
2: He should have done that last year, but he was missing how many free throws a game. He put up 14 and he missed at least three free throws a game. Yeah, so yeah. mathematically, yeah. right there, that's he—he should have been on the seventeen-point mark easily. So, yeah, Topping, Barrett, I—I I like. Um, Dennis Smith did not look bad that first game. He Look at Dax. Look at Dax. He Did not look. <laughs> Dax, hear me out. Hear me out. He—he—he he, looked—he looked solid. Now he looked to me like, to put it like this he to me he looked better than Peyton in the first game in the sense that he
0: played, I agree that he was, I agree. Getting, he was
2: getting the floor burns, yeah, he was getting in the paint. he seemed more uh, more engaged. I think without him having to deal with the garden crowd this year, mm-hmm. you know he's probably he might have he might have a better season because a lot of these guys are impressionable, so when you hear the booze and the bringing Frank or bringing in whoever that gets to you, especially if you're young, so
1: mm, I think eye this eye year eye eye. he's going to be all right. That was a
0: good point I hadn't considered i yeah I, I hadn't actually thought, so did you like did you like the top and pick they I, I did not talk yeah, to you about right that. Off the, off, off the bat you liked it okay, so i right wanted on. I wanted him to get a point guard, but I have warmed more up to the pick, and I did like what you saw of him in the first preseason game. I thought he played under control, he looks like he looks like he belongs.
1: Yeah, he looks, an adult, r- he looks like an adult rookie. Yeah. And, exactly. Yeah. He and came he look, out the gate yeah. looking like
2: looking official. Like we uh, when we were I think we when he came in, we were either down like five or it was, I think we were down or tied. He came in, that whole second unit came in, but he looked like a grown man playing amongst kids for a minute. And it was like, wait a minute, he's a rookie. This is yeah. his first
0: You gave first him the ball, you gave him the ball, and he looked all right in terms of just, you know, handling and attacking the rim. And under control and not looking like Julius Randle turning over the ball. Yes. You gotta other stop possession. The cross court passes though. Those cross cross court He'll passes
2: like, all right, He'll this is in yeah. college now. You can't get away with that. But other than because he at least he knows when to spin off. If you spin off you spin away from the defense. You don't spin into the defense. Right. I don't know right. what Julius is on, but he like he loves spinning into the defense. This is the weirdest thing ever. It's
1: it's crazy because I thought the best play top of made, and I told Dexas, the best play top of made was actually the pass out of the post. I think he was being guarded by Blake Griffin. Yes, yes. It was somebody that he should probably try to emulate in some ways, but he was posting him up. He caught him with a little up fake turn and then threw it over his left shoulder, and I was like, ooh, that's a nice... And he, he... Not that he was... He wasn't really like a... like. Somebody who would do that a lot of Dayton necessarily, where he kind of had to because he was double team, so it's yeah. a little bit different. But to do it in an NBA, just find a cutter like that, showing that he already has that at this mm-hmm. level. I'm like, okay, so you can put, you can give him the ball in the post, you know, maybe a couple times a quarter, see if he can either get you to the foul line, get you a, a good shot, an efficient shot, or find somebody who cuts. And RJ is going to be somebody who's going to be cutting to the basket. He's going to catch or, hey,
2: RJ. He's going to catch RJ a lot this season, cutting to yeah. the bucket.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. Now, Dave, we've been we've been suffering for a long time though, right? Like, so, much, <laughs> man. like, like so I <laughs> so I've known you since like post 94. We first saw the Knicks go to the finals, and we saw them mm-hmm. do it again in 99, and it's been a long time since we've had any long success like that. What are your cause you talked about individually some players you think will play good this year, and I do agree with you on the players you mentioned. Um, although Dennis Smith Jr., I, I gotta wait and see a little more. Of him. <laughs> um
1: who, and, you, and we didn't mention Mitchell Robinson yet.
0: Mitchell Robinson, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Mitchell will I think Mitch will be fine, and I think Tibbs is trying to push him by starting Noel Orleans Noel over him. So yeah, we you,
1: you
2: gotta put a fire under. Them. Yeah, I
0: like that. So I actually like that. What do you what do you think this team can do this year and what do you what do you want to see out of the team collectively? Like what is growth to you in terms of a Knicks um, fan this year with them?
2: I'm not gonna say playoffs, but if they could do the tenth seed and do that play in because they're still doing that this year, right? Yeah, they are, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you do – if they can make the 10th seed at least and at least fight to make the playoffs, I feel like that's a, a good sign. Because I don't feel like the bottom of the East isn't anything special where they can't fight for it. especially if Barrett gives me 18 – at least 18 a game. Toppin comes in and gives me about 16 to 18 a game. I could see when between – the oh, defensively between Barrett – I mean, um, Noel, Robinson – you know I'm sure Austin Rivers is going to chuck it up so he's going to get his shots up we could we could fight with the Chicago's and the Orlando's for that 10th
1: That's what I was going to say it's it's like it's Charlotte Chicago Detroit Cleveland who else in the bottom of the east Orlando like can you finish ahead of basically those five teams? Those yeah, it is. I,
2: I, didn't, I didn't see anything um, from that first game that made me look at, because I watched a lot of the um the games last night. I I watched Charlotte play. There was nothing Charlotte did last night that made me say the Knicks aren't going to be better than them. I right. know it was one game, but you could kind of get a feel at least like how people could, you know, this style of play. I, there was nothing they did, nothing Cleveland did. You know, they had a nice gutted out win where McCoro got the layup, but It was nothing that made me say that they're miles ahead of the Knicks. If anything, the Knicks actually looked like they're just on the same level, if not better. So we'll see tonight, though, because that might have just been an anomaly last on Friday. So let me not jump the gun. Yeah.
0: By the time this drops, we'll we'll know if if it was an anomaly. Well, man, I hope. I can only hope that that it is upward for the Knicks because there's been so many years of uh look, like, see, you heard the stress in this voice? Like Dave is stressed out. See, see, it's it's probably not good for our health. I've always said this. Probably not good for our health at all. But we'll we'll see what the Knicks can do. Hopefully they can turn things around. Um, thank you, bro. Appreciate you coming on coming on the pod and talk with us. We wish you uh much continued success. And thank you're you. you're gonna Rise to whatever you need, because you know, like I said, you're a right, You know what I mean? And of course, East, yeah. East Flat, East Likewise, Flat,
2: Bush.
0: Yeah, East Flat Bush. We do great things, man. Always, always do great things. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate you coming on, bro. Appreciate sure. it, man. Thanks, guys, for having
2: me. One time for your mind. One time, you live one
0: time for your mind. One time. one time for your mind. Got some interesting stuff this week. Brian's gonna talk a little bit about unions, and I'm gonna talk about people. or not people, animals. That basically are taking over New York City, and we are tired of them. At least I Anim-
1: think. Animals I don't know Animals Yeah, yeah. They're,
0: they're, like- they're, they're,
1: they're, they're the one. that' like uh, they—they shouldn't exist. Honestly. <laughs> There's no upside to them uh, to their existence. But we'll get to we'll
0: get to that <laughs> when you get
1: to yours. Um, I
0: agree. Go ahead.
1: Uh, Kicking this off, uh, Christopher Nolan, somebody who I don't know if I've ever mentioned him on the podcast before, not for any reason in particular. It's just, you know, it's
0: one of one of my favorite movie directors, if not favorite.
1: It just shows you how different this is going to be on this one time for your mind. Christopher Nolan talked about the HBO Max deal. We know HBO Max is I mean, just like all the other streaming services, trying to get a lot of content that has been in other places and house them on their Networks that you have to go to them, similar to Hulu and Showtime and Netflix, etc., etc. Peacock now with NBC, and there are others that I haven't mentioned, but you you get the idea. He was talking about how it's not great, you know, the HBO Max deal, what it's doing to unions necessarily. And as somebody who's in a union now, the Onion Union, uh, is part of my Deadspin deal, and we're currently, you know, trying to (laughs) fight for certain things as well as a union. Uh, the Ringer had a walkout this week, which is interesting. They walked out for two hours, talked about their demands because there's some stuff going on there and obviously solidarity with them, with the homies at the Ringer, um, the Ringer Union. And, you know, this is an NPR story that was published and he was talking about just how the HBO Max deal is not really doing well uh, with unions. And this is something that ATT and Warner, don't, they're not really doing anything about it necessarily. And here's a direct quote from Christopher Nolan said, and I'm not talking about me. Uh, I'm talking about Ben Affleck or whoever. I'm not talking about Ben Affleck or whoever. I'm talking about the gripes, the electricians uh, who depend on IA, the International Alliance Union, the IA residuals for pension, for healthcare. And I'm talking about SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, uh, talking about actors, talking about uh when I come on the set and I've got to shoot a scene with the waiter or a lawyer who has two or three lines, those people. I you know, they need to be earning a living in that profession, working maybe, you know, sometimes a couple days of the year. And that's why the residual structure is in place. That's why the unions have secured participations for people down the line. So when a movie is sold to a television station twenty years after it was made, a payment is made to the people who collaborated on that film. Mm. Uh, And these are important principles that when a company starts devaluing the individual assets by using them as leverage for a different business strategy without first figuring out how those new structures are going to have to work, it's a sign of great danger for the ordinary people who work in this industry. That's something that we don't consider when all of these streaming services get all this content for us to watch and you know, make it easier for us as consumers, but as it makes it easier for us, there's always people getting fucked somewhere along the line. That's why we have unions in place to help fight for this stuff. And, you know, these super contracts that are above our heads don't really help in that way. And, you know, this, it just speaks to the imbalance of where everything is, as far as union, as far as, uh, you know, people at the top of the company and just that divide in a whole lot of different ways, not just monetarily.
0: Yeah, I think I think that there's an interesting thing, right? Like if the streaming services aren't going anywhere, but I think that we have to start thinking about who continues to make the money off of TV show or movie after that, right? Does the electrician on that, does the person that uh, did some of the shooting on that movie, the lighting techs, should those people get residuals for things that are sort of, even for movies, it's not really syndication, but they're still available. But maybe we should start thinking about it like that. Maybe yeah. we have to start thinking about everything that gets placed on a streaming service as sort of syndication, and shouldn't just be, uh, you know, Warner Brothers or whatever production company or Paramount or whoever that they're the only ones to get the check, the people at the top, but the people who actually worked in that. Yeah, I think they should see some residuals off of that. I absolutely think they should in and in some kind of way.
1: Yeah, and and the good thing is that we're at least we're thinking this way now. We're talking about this now. This wasn't something I don't think people were really bringing up in the '90s. As it relates to maybe a show like The Fresh Prince when it was out by then. And, you know, I think this is something that as streaming services continue to grow, I think this is something that we're going to continue to focus on because people are always trying to unionize and now fight what they deserve more. You're seeing more people talk about creative control and trying to do things independently and trying to, you know, actually put a priority on intellectual property and being taken care of and, you know, not overworking themselves. And, you know, we're just having different conversations now than we were. 10 15 20 years ago even five years ago so i think that's at least encouraging but that's not to say it'll be much easier to bridge the gap it's still going to be a pain in the ass and you know in a lot of ways it's it just reflects on it just reflects everything else that we're sort of experiencing right now as a country because there's a big gap in terms of like working class versus rich and how I mean, we don't even need to get into the, the intricacies of that because, you know, some of the things are not really intricate. It's kind of just black and white.
0: It, it, really, it really is. I mean, the, the thing I definitely, well, not the thing, but I agree with a bunch of what Nolan's saying, but what I do agree is, like, as things move towards things, more things are streaming, we have to think about things. He makes a great point. We can't, we do a lot of things where it's just like, oh, we've got this great new thing, but we're not thinking about how it works and who it affects. Um, there's a lot of things we should be thinking about that. It's even if we think things become more convenient for us, and just being like, is it really convenient for us? And like you said, who is it hurting or who is it, who's getting fucked over um, in these deals? And a lot of times it's the people that did a lot of the hard work to produce these films or produce these shows that never see the long-term money. We, in a way, I know I mentioned the word syndication. We can't look at things as syndication in the same way anymore because, you know, of course, if you had a successful sitcom, you mentioned the Fresh Prince, you wanted, or, you know, Seinfeld, whoever, it doesn't matter. You wanted it to be syndicated on a TV, so that lives for years beyond. But now with streaming services, it can live for years beyond, and it's a dope thing because it gets introduced to generations who might not have seen it and don't have to search for HBO now. Right, you don't have to search for a channel or make sure to have it or see it at a certain time. You can watch this whenever you want, and that is dope, no doubt. But we start may have to think like, yeah, well, that now has a whole new value than it had under syndication when there was no streaming and what does that value who is effects so i think we have to start having those conversations so in my opinion kudos to christopher nolan for starting the conversation and maybe as people who are consumers uh of hbo max other streaming services maybe it's something that we as consumers should start thinking about a little bit more i think it's easy for us to sit back and be like oh i do not think about that it doesn't affect me i'm just getting my content and it's like Well, as somebody who creates content, no, I do think about that and then how it does affect other people.
1: Yeah. And if you want to read the story, it's uh, on NPR. Ari Shapiro wrote it. It's called Christopher Nolan calls Warner Brothers shift to streaming new movies, quote, a great danger. And uh, somebody who uh, posted these quotes uh, and highlighted these were Brendan Hodges. He's a a film critic on Twitter. So, yeah, just wanted to give those some
0: good Good stuff there.
1: All right. I'm going to
0: talk about in one time from my, something I generally don't like talking about, something I actually don't like seeing, and that is rats. Don't care for rats at all whatsoever. In fact, I'm going to tell somebody a rat story that involves myself and Brian. I don't know if we told this on this podcast yet, but I will tell the story that involves me and Brian. Brian and I were on our last day of shooting La Caltura, a Puerto Rican boxing story. And we decided to go one morning, as if you've not watched the piece or if you've seen it, you should check it out because it's really dope and it's won a bunch of awards and it has almost 40,000 views on YouTube. So you should check it out. But we were coming from the Puerto Rican Day Parade. As if you've seen the piece, Brian was at the Puerto Rican Day Parade and that's sort of what kicks off and also ends the piece. And we were leaving to go back to actually edit this project. And Brian and I were on the Grand Central Platform uh 42nd street for people who don't know in new york and yeah. i was i was standing in a place mine standing across from me i'm standing closer to the platform there was a young lady with headphones on standing to my left and all of a sudden i looked to my left and i saw a rat basically run by her foot she jumps the rat then comes towards me and i jumped up in the air and the rat went under my foot and down the platform as if we weren't there at all whatsoever and it jumped that, over my foot. Jumped on. over your foot. Yeah, sorry, forgot to it, add you.
1: jumped over my foot, and then I went up the stairs. I went up the <laughs> steps. I was like, oh, fuck no. Brian, nah, was,
0: like, to... <laughs> Brian was like, was nah, no, I'm not staying on this platform. And I think that is to set the tone for people who do not live in New York to understand that, yo, the rats here really don't give a shit. All right? <laughs> They're just out here doing whatever it is, thing they can do. That was, what year was that, Brian? What year did we, what year did we put out uh, La Contour? Yo, your, your mic your mic just went out. I believe it was 2018, he said.
1: 2018.
0: 2018, okay. So 2018, we did that. Now, obviously, things have changed in the world since then, and there's something I had read about early in the year about how because of the pandemic, and especially in New York City, there were not as many people out, there were not as many businesses open, and there were closed in certain parts of New York that relied a lot on business, for example, the financial district around Wall Street in New York. Where there already kind of always were a lot of rats, because it's close to the water, now where there was less people out, less garbage being put out in the street, the rats were coming out more. But my cousin, who also knows that I absolutely hate rats, she decided to send me this article. Why? Because she wants to antagonize me. Not for anything nice, not really to keep me informed, but I feel like we should keep other people informed. So there was a Chipotle In Washington Heights, that is North Manhattan, for people who don't know, and rats have been running amok at Washington Heights Chipotle. And this is according to an article that was written, I don't want to get it, by Poppy Noor from uh, The Guardian. She wrote that rats have been running amok at Washington Heights Chipotle, attacking employees, chewing through wiring systems, and causing the indefinite closure of the restaurant to the public. Quote from an employee, it's pure chaos every time a rat appears. Although the restaurant is closed, staff is still regularly coming in to clean in an effort to help stave off the infestation. <laughs> the infestation was first yeah. discovered in the summer, right? We're now in the fall when avocados were found partly eaten and bags of rice were bitten through. The rats. Ah. Yeah. So the rats were coming in and they were eating the food and then they were terrorizing the people in this, and they had to shut down this Chipotle, because nobody could be in the Chipotle anymore. And so I got I got this story uh, from my cousin a couple of days ago, and then I was working and I was in northern Manhattan. I was on the Upper West Side and I was with a friend of the podcast, host of the Seven Footers podcast, Gerard Hector. I was interviewing him mm. for a story I was doing for AccuWeather and the story we were doing about another animal. We were doing a story about dog walking. And I was next to a dog park and it was about three o'clock in the afternoon. And I was on Riverside Drive. And for people who don't know, that is right next to the water, uh, which would be the, uh, the Hudson River, right there. And I was sitting in this dog park, and I was doing, doing something on camera, and I was sitting there for a while, and at one point, I was sitting there, and I, and I noticed there was a space between this dog park. that was just grass and leaves. And I saw something move out the corner of my eye, and I was like, what no. is that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And I was like, what is that? And I didn't see anything, but then I looked down, and I noticed slightly to my left, you could see a clearly a burrow hole, like a rat hole that was there. And I was like, oh, man, there's rats over here, for sure. (laughs) Now, I also want to put into perspective for people who might not understand, there are five times as many rats as there are people in New York. There's somewhere estimated to be 33 million rats in New York. And now they're hungrier. They're looking for food.
1: Wait, is that a real
0: stat? That's a real stat.
1: Oh, oh! I didn't know that. That's oh, a, I wish you didn't tell me that. That's a real stat.
0: Like, oh that's a real my stat. god! In fact, this was to an article. Let me make sure at the time I had read this article. I believe this was. Oh, this shit. was of last year, but as this is last year, so it's before the pandemic. Rats, rat sightings reported to the city's three one hotline have soared nearly thirty eight percent. Uh, from seventeen from up that was up from twelve thousand in twenty fourteen to seventeen thousand. That was in twenty nineteen, right? A lot of this, all the, some of the reasons people think this is happening, is a lot of it is a lot of new buildings being built. Which is funny in the area that I was. There were a lot of new buildings in that area. So when you're digging up stuff, you're 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 kind of taking over rat burrows and holes. And let me just go back There's to
1: building being made on my block. So that's not great.
0: That does that never helps, right? And so sometimes in going those buildings, they put a lot of poison. They burrow out those holes when they're tearing down buildings, and the rats are going to come out. And so while I was doing the story, just to say this and wrap this up, while I was doing the story, I was shooting something where I was on camera. So two times, my back is now towards the dog park, and twice I saw rats come out from the dog dog park. One went right to a trash can, ran into a street. Then there was another part where two women were walking, and I wasn't even looking that way, but I heard them collectively do this, Brian. (gasps) They gasped. They both gasped. And two huge rats just ran out in front of them.
1: I'm and, never living in Manhattan.
0: I'm never living. in oh, Manhattan. Well, you know, I, would, I mean, it can happen anywhere. So it it, it doesn't mean I, The thing, yeah,
1: that, I, you know what? That's you know what? I want to know how much. I don't want to know this actually. I well, I'm one, curious as to how much of the 33 million are in Manhattan. Oh, I would to, I, I I I would estimate. I would. It's. I mean, it's not
0: the largest borough because Queens is the largest borough in terms of size, but. I think just in terms of because of the way the buildings have been, and more of the intricacies of the subway stations are in Manhattan. I would assume that the most of them are there. That would be my assumption. I would
1: assume the most, almost by far, and, not and definitely by far.
0: And it's the most most of that borough. For people don't know, is like Manhattan's an island, so it's always completely surrounded by water. And rats like to be near the water.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna Google it though, just because, like, <laughs> I, I, like, I, 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 you know, you know what the risk you're running is there what
0: what has been a lot and there's been a lot with rats in the last couple of years not to see them in the subway, they've been seen in playgrounds and parks um, where some parks where they just they don't know what to do and how to control it, but look the point is, it's getting bad out here it's because of the pandemic people aren't out as much these rats are basically looking for food right, the pandemic's affected them too they are out here desperately looking for food Fuck them! <laughs> Let them die! <laughs> Yo, the but I'm... Fuck? But here's the thing, Brian. I'm kind of with you. They serve no purpose. We don't need them. None, none. But it's too hard to get rid of them. There's more of them than there are of us. And they're getting more confident each day. Yo, I think. Like, I got nothing to say to that. Are, are the rats planning the revolution? I don't want to know. Like, they're scared. They're still scared of people. But because of the lack of amount of people and just how things have changed in New York in the last couple of months, they're clearly becoming more bold they're out in broad daylight remember nat- rats and mice are nocturnal animals when they start coming out in the daylight that means they're comfortable they're also a little bit desperate but they're comfortable and so that's why I saw a rat three in the they're afternoon at
1: the end of the line, so.
0: maybe maybe but they're coming out strong and it doesn't look like it and they're cut. Co- so look if you see these rats you don't like these rats we need to come up with a plan to get rid of these these guys i don't know what that plan is i don't know how to do it there's way too much tunnels and underground space in New York City. It's just way too much, and I don't I know how it's going to happen. Train.
1: I haven't been on a train since, like, February.
0: Yeah, I haven't been on I haven't been on one since March. But, uh, yeah, but I've seen enough rats. I'll tell you that. Not a lot, because I really haven't been in the city, but the times I have been in the city, and because I do it a lot for my work, and I tend to do a lot of stand-ups or live shots near areas of water, I see them in the broad daylight. And, yo, they're really just living among us. I don't know what the hope is. They're just living among us.
1: Fucking nauseated. To quote a friend of the show who's been on here multiple times, uh, Naomi Gray. uh, Jesus, take the wheel. That's all I (laughs) got. No,
0: no, not Jesus take the wheel. Jesus take the rats. How about that? Take the rats and take them away. How about that? Like we 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 can have that happen. All right, that's it for this episode of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast, episode one fifty nine. Please. Uh, do the thing to continue to support us. Uh, leave us a nice review. Rate us, review us. You should leave us a five-star review because this is a five-star show. There's no reason you should not do that. Also, continue to support us in any way you can. Subscribe to our Backpack Broadcasting YouTube channel. We have more coming up. We are almost halfway through December. We are halfway through December by the time you listen to this. And the last two episodes of this month will be, you've been waiting for it all year. You knew it was coming, and Brian's got his list ready. And it's—we're not talking about a Christmas Looking list at it right now. Actually. It is the ain't hard to tell 2020 hip hop awards. It is that time. I still got to tweak some stuff on my list. You heard us talk to Dave about that. Uh, we will two have parts more, this year, more by two parts this year. We'll have two episodes, so you'll, we hope you guys enjoy that. I know there'll be a lot of discussion and debate around it. That's how we will close out the year. Um, so we want to thank again, thank our our guests. Uh, Go, Dave, David Ofori, you can check out uh, his work, follow him on uh, Instagram uh, with all the great work that he does. More coming up around sports. NBA season will be starting soon. Brian and I will be involved in some new projects. We'll tell you more about all that that's coming up. Uh, but until next time, stay safe,
1: stay yeah. healthy,
0: support unions, stay away from the rats. Till next time, y'all. Peace. Wear
1: a fucking mask.
0: Yeah, that too. Wear a mask. <laughs> Peace.